Gordon, thank you very much for joining me on One Foot in the Podcast. I can't believe I've got the infamous Ronnie on the show. How, how are you doing, Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very well, thanks. you played and several uh, characters over the years, haven't you? But yeah, it's, it's yeah, all about yeah. Ronnie today, isn't it? Yes, I'm afraid. Yes, not not an ideal character to play, but there you are. So, We've got to take the rough with the smooth. Well, this is it, yeah. How, how, how were you um, approached to play the part of Ronnie? Oh... Oh, how do I approach it? Well, I, as quickly as possible, I think. <laughs> it, it, it's one of, it's, I don't know, I've never had to play that sort of part before, quite honestly. You know, it's very, it's, it's very difficult to, to describe it, really. There's, there's, there's not much to it, except there's a, you know, not, not well-liked idiot, really. <laughs> how did it feel to play that kind of character who, by the main characters, were not, tested as such but ronnie and mildred were very much a couple that victor margaret did all they could to avoid so did, yes. you, did you mind playing that kind of character well i was just grateful for the work quite honestly yeah you know and uh, to be associated with such a, an excellent uh, program uh, no, nobody would have hesitated i'm sure they'd have grabbed it absolutely when you were approached was it susie belbin who approached you was it david himself or was it through yes, yes, I, I, I i really don't know quite how i how i got that part. oh chris chris gernan of course uh, i'd done several things for her the director yeah oh and Six, sue sue belbin the uh, Yes, I knew a lot of people at the BBC. In fact, I I I didn't work for ITV hardly ever. It was all BBC work. Yeah, you know? I, I I started there with the BBC, trying to get in, um, and I I read this is going back many many years that Victor Borger started doing uh, warm ups right. to get known. I mean, whether he sort of trundled a piano on just to do a warm-up and then would trundle it off. I can't imagine that. But I said, oh, well, I thought, well, that's an idea because I knew nobody. I know nothing. I know nothing. Uh, I just I knew nothing. You know, I didn't know anybody. And so I um, beagled my way into uh, doing warm-ups and got to know, you know, people that way. And in fact, it was doing that that, that I did get you know, my own show in 1973. Gordon Peters show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's... Uh, that's quite, that's quite... Um, that's only, quite... Only, only because I, you know, I sort of put myself in front of everybody at the BBC. Yeah, so quite the entertainer you were then. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. Well, well, well I, I started off as a singer in uh, in an octet. It was a quartet, the Vincent Tilsley Meister singers. And they were going to uh, Blackpool, uh, the big, the big one there. Blackpool was oh dear, oh dear, what memory. It's about four, four thousand seats. Enormous, enormous. Uh, was it the Globe Theatre? No. Oh, was it was it the Opera House? The Opera House. There's the arena at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. There's the well. It's now known as the Globe Theatre, but it, it may well have been. I mean, I could I could be wrong. I'm just doing a quick. Uh, oh. 
So I, I, th I, I think it's I think it was the Opera House. Right. Okay. I I only did that just to get into the business. I'd re I'd read about it in the stage. So somebody said, you know, kid on the stage, you should have to buy this magazine, the mm. weekly, weekly paper. And I, I saw this advert and went for it and <laughs> got it as a singer. But it was always comedy. I mean, even in, even with, with, with the octet, I, I mean, I was always trying to get laughs. And of course, the guy running it was furious, really, because he, he just wanted singers, not bloody comics. <laughs> the thing. Well, Anyhow, that's, that's diverting. That's diverting. That's okay. Well, up, I mean, I was gonna say, up until you um, were introduced into One Foot in the Grave, what had been your personal highlight? in whichever show you, because you're in the likes of Dad's Army, weren't you, for a oh, few yes, episodes? Yes. That's quite an achievement, isn't it? Dad's uh, Army, yes. Yes, I, I I did about six of those. I think there's three three or four of them still going. But yes. One, one was lost. And they, they found it. They found one of them anyhow. And uh, I went to see them when they re made a re remake of it recently. Did you watch the... The film they they brought out about five years ago. Well, well, there's two or three films, weren't there? Uh, one was uh, uh, John John Sessions was mannering. He was excellent. He really yes. was. Yes, I have seen that. So in the Dad's Army uh, film, so the one that was that came out in 2016, uh, there was Bill Nye, Toby Jones. They played Mannering and Wilson. Who played Mannering? Toby. Jones. Or was it Toby Jones? Well, that was the, I mean, like, like you said, there's been a couple of different adaptions. There's been a, a drama. I think he was the one that was excellent. Really good, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm sorry, it may not have been. So there was a, there was a BBC uh, documentary series called, called We're Doing the Dad's Army Story. From That's the, that's the I think that's the one you're on about, because John Sessions does play, uh, uh, he's Arthur Lowe in that one. Ah yes, yes. Yeah. Well, well, he he really was very good. Yeah. Yes, I think I think the big film was Toby. Yes, uh, the, the the big screen was Toby. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch? No, did you watch I, it then, I, Gordon? I didn't think that, that was that marvelous, except for Toby. Yeah. It, it was casting very different to cast. Yes. Well, it's not 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 so much casting, but just to pe people had their own idea. Well, they they knew, you know, what, what the characters looked like. Mm. Yeah, uh, and to bring somebody else in is very, very difficult to try and take over, and especially when it's been in their memory for years and years and years. Yeah, I, th I think it was a mistake uh, introducing Captain Mannerin's wife because she was always oh, heard, yes. but not even heard. Or so many funny, funny, excellent writing. Yes, that's that's the secret of sitcom. It's first the writing, yes, and then, and then the casting. It's the perfect storm for a for a great comedy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And and a few other nuggets, you know, Heidi High, uh, just good friends. Uh, yes, no. Uh, I, I did a, a couple of Heidi Highs. Yeah. Uh, what what else? Just good friends. Yeah. I, I, that was Paul Nicholas, wasn't it? Paul Nicholas, yeah. Jane Francis. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, uh, so it's, a John, uh, it's a John Sullivan uh, special, isn't it? It's a John Sullivan series. Was it really? Yeah. Well, 
that that was way before fools and horses yes yeah fools and horses came out in 81 and i was just looking up just good friends was written between 83 and 86 so actually it was sort of in in sort of at the close to the beginning when fools was starting to really come into its own so when when it came to one so the in one foot the grave you starred in the worst horror of all which is uh, from 1992 so by then one foot in the grave had been out a couple of series before yes. you before you starred in one foot in the grave had you watched the series at all as it was aired oh yes oh. what was your thoughts of it i i, I, I thought it was great i i thought the, the writing david david Rennick was so good mm. so good the writing i i, I Oh, I, I thought he was such a clever, clever man. And, and for such a quiet little, well, little, I'm not that tall, but I, I think I was an inch over taller than he was, something like that. So it made me say, what a little fellow. <laughs> not really. Yeah. He's, he's very, I think he's quite a private person and, and keeps himself to himself, doesn't oh, he? Very much, very much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I was surprised yeah. that he came on to this show to, you know, happily ramble on with me. Talk about yes, yeah, yes, very, very fortunate. I think very, yeah. Very it, 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 my my father-in-law didn't like it at all because he said, "Oh, one foot in the grave." No, no, he didn't, yeah. didn't like the idea because he was getting old. <laughs> that was, I think your your father's um, sentiments were shared across his generation at the time because yeah. I think. It was more younger people were actually into into one from the grave, yeah. Um, yeah. Not necessarily old people, quote unquote old. And mm-hmm. I think the message might not have been um, understood by a certain generation because they thought it might have been a dig at their yes, their time yeah. is coming to an end. But it really is wasn't that at all, of course. And um, it was the combination of uh, the 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 tortoise. You know, it, just about it, making it. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's right. And, and, you, and yet you see, it had like a nice blonde foot of that day. Yeah. Uh, Michael Palin singing. Uh, Eric, I, Eric Idle. Oh, well, oh sorry. Yeah. It's one of the yes, Pythons. Yeah. And yeah, it's a quite a, quite a, um, it's a catchy theme tune. And it's just, it's one of those that stands out, isn't it? You just mm-hmm. know when that's, if you, even if you haven't really watched One from the Grave, you'll if you hear Eric Idle blast that out, you you know, or you just know it's One from the Grave. And that sounds silly. It's like false. It's, every great sitcom has a very catchy theme tune. Faulty Towers, Only Falls. Yeah. Well, your first episode appearance, the episode called The Worst Horror of All, came in series three. So 92. Did I do in that? I can't remember that. Um, so what happened in there? So in The Worst Horror of All, just a breakdown, Margaret... Um, has organised a trip. Sorry, not Margaret. Mrs. Warboys has organised a trip for Victor and Margaret and a, mm. a whole host of friends, including her cousin, Will, who plays, who's played by John Rutland, to a BBC sitcom recording. Um, also that happens in that uh, episode is the delightful Ronnie and Mildred uh, come and call in on Victor and Margaret and they pretend they're not in they keep all the lights switched off and they're hiding behind the sofa and they're quite (laughs) persistent with it (laughs) yes well that was a lot of hanging around i bet it was wasn't it because it was right at the end and uh, i i didn't reckon much to it but i thought well you know it's it's the top sitcom at the moment you know just do it yeah Um, 
you know, I, I, I didn't have much to say or do really there. <laughs> it was very funny. In that particular episode, though, we do see for the first time, you know, for our own eyes, the lengths Victor and Margaret are willing to go to avoid a visit from Ronnie Mildred because they're, they're hiding in the dining room area and, and they go to such oh, lengths, don't they? They yes. go to such lengths, they leave like the mail on the floor of the doorway to make it look like they've been away on holiday and turning the, all the lights yeah. off. And yes. you know, Victor covering him, himself in a raincoat so he can't be seen through the front door as he dashes upstairs to switch the light off. And, <laughs> and, and yeah. Victor says, you know, they've got us in a pincer movement because... Ronnie Mildred decided to go around the back of the house to obviously the see there's a light on. So yes. um, some great lines in that, actually. Really good. And uh, Ronnie Mildred, I mean, it sounds like they've had a bit, they had a bit of money behind them because Victor met references that he's not, you know, he doesn't want to hear about their loft conversions and holidays in Whitley Bay. No. It sounds like they're a couple who, that might be why they're irritating to Victor and Margaret because they're happy-go-lucky with, plenty of money in the bank. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yes, well, well, I, I really, really do. Well, you know, you don't, I don't think as deeply as that, really. Welcome to One Foot in the Podcast, then. Yes, <laughs> as, as to whether they had money, you know. I, I, th- I think if you start going as, into it like that, you're, you're losing, you know, to me, it was the funny, funny, funny. That's what I was looking for all the time. Yeah. All the funny bits. Um, I, I think probably drama, you might start thinking that. But uh, my wife, uh, if, if we go and see something, or say, say somebody, you know, it's probably yeah. a well-known, well usually it's a comic, of course, or a singer for her. Oh, yes, his shoes, his shoes are not very good. And I said, for God's sake, bugger his shoes. <laughs> listen, listen to the voice or listen to the gag that, you know, it, uh, if, if you start wandering like that, then, then yeah. the whole idea of him, of coming to see him, is lost. We can come and see anybody about the shoes. Or the well, no, with, 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 with podcasts, though, I mean, it's a different story because when people are dissecting a show like I do and other yeah. podcasters do, that I mean, yeah. that's, that's the nature of this podcast. It's all part of the fun, reading into every single moment. And yes. I can tell you now, it doesn't take any of the fun away. Like we absolutely love one from the grave, and we 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 certainly dwell on all the dramatic moments. You know, mm. there's there's no more dramatic than your final appearance in, you know, the uh, yeah. tales of terror. Yeah, and that that that, that was an anticlimax. I I said to I think it was to Chris. I I think it was it was Chris. It would have been yeah. This will you know this bit at the end where she hangs herself. Where, where my wife, because I, I had a, two or three wives, you know, playing the same part. I don't, did anybody ever notice that, I wonder? Maybe not for some time, but mm. you had um, Jean Chalice. So she, she uh, was played one of the um, roles, and Barbara Ashcroft replaced her for the, oh. the two appearances. So, and she's the one that hung herself. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whose legs that was hanging out of the window. Oh, I think it's it just was, prop it legs. An extra, yes. Was it? Okay. Well, that's good. That's a good little nugget to know know about. Okay. So when, when you received that script then, did you feel... Uh, well, I, I said, look, this will either get a, such a big, big laugh or there's going to be silence. Mm. You know? 
And I said, I said, I think it'll get an enormous laugh. And how wrong can you be in the studio? Because when it happened, there was this deathly silence. Yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that was in, that's got to be intended because one from the grave, certainly by the end, had lo- had, had produced so many um, dark moments, hadn't it? So that was quite. I mean, you have Ronnie Mildred. They're any they're any prop up a few times, and they're mentioned in a couple of episodes, but not seen. Yeah, even though they're not even mentioned that many times, that the names mm. Ronnie and Mildred really do strike a chord with the fans, and they empathise with Victor and Margaret. I think it's fair to say they they the characters go a little over the top with how much they're choosing to avoid Ronnie and Mildred. We figure out actually fans of One from the Grave, mm. the ones I've spoken to, tend to agree that it's just Victor and Margaret are not very sociable people. They they don't want to be around people that are too happy, certainly not Victor. Yes, no, no. Because for, for what we can see, Ronnie and Mildred were pleasant enough, you know? You see, in, in the other, other one, when I went shopping for uh, Polish, sherry. to play on that word. Polish sherry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get it until it, it I think, it, as, as we're actually doing, in rehearsals, I don't, I don't think I... I got it. It was it was supposed to be Polish sherry, wasn't it? It was Polish, and I well, think it was Polish. Was that the way? Or was it well, the you're way? not you're not alone because I've I've had this conversation with a few people, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because I don't know if it was genuinely Polish sherry or actual polish. Yeah, do you know? And I because I, Margaret... I, I think I took it as Polish because yes. I was getting all the shopping bits and ends, odds and ends. And so when it turned out, good God, I didn't see that one. <laughs> well, it was um, it was Victor who, who purchased the shopping for Margaret, and she'd written down polish and sherry. So that's obviously you know the confusion yeah. from Victor, and and they didn't like this polish sherry or whatever it was, and hand it to you. And so in that particular episode, the exterminating angel, um, I think it was your birthday, I think. Ronnie's birthday. That's why they're invited over for a meal. Oh. So uh, you had your binoculars around your neck, which was oh. Victor was seen using in an earlier episode and was getting told off by Margaret for not wrapping them up because they're obviously not his. And yeah, and I suppose they thought as a bonus present, we'll give this Polish or Polish sherry, whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's probably was Polish sherry. It must have been that way around. But uh, sort of going going back to the uh, going back to hanging itself. Yes. And we stood there, and just you see the, the legs swinging, you know, and the water dripping. This poor lady stuck up there. Yeah. Uh, and Victor says, "Well, how how did it do? What happened?" I said, "Well, I, I don't understand. I mean, we were playing happy families, and and she only wanted." And was it Mrs. Taylor for Mrs. a full house or whatever? Yes. That is well recited. Yeah, Mrs. Stinch, the Taylor's wife, to win happy. What I think was it, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Stinch, the Taylor's wife. Whatever, whatever it was. She only needed Mrs. Stinch, the Taylor's wife, to win. Uh, but to say she played happy families. That's and quite, that's quite awesome. It's just amazing for to be able to mix that bit of comic relief amongst that tragedy. Yes. Just, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I, I, I think that generally there was sort of, a, in everybody, houses all over the, 
England or wherever, that uh, people, people were horrified rather than laugh. Yes, uh, I, I mean, it, probably about 80, 20, you know, 80. I, I remember that episode airing. I was pretty spooked out by it because you just mm -hmm. don't expect it, even though by then one from the grave had a certain reputation for these very dark moments, you know, mm. people being murdered or animals getting killed, tortoises being buried alive, cats being found in the freezer, that sort of thing, which had, yes. which did bring about some complaints to the BBC. So I imagine this, this particular episode you starred in may have um, resulted in a few, potentially a few complaints, but it's not real. I mean, it does, it might invoke, it might invoke some emotions amongst the viewer, but you've got to take it for what it is. It's just all part of the, the story of One Foot in the Grave and what it's yes, all about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that covers up the, the three th episodes, didn't it? The, the sort of the hanging. Uh, oh, and, and then the cost the car. Oh. Well, that was the Polish one. So that yeah, that, that was that was exterminated yeah. angel. Yeah, that, a, a ten foot drop in the garage, yeah. and Victor reversed yeah. John Bird's yeah. car. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, you know, for for uh, David's mind to sort of say, how can I build this up? Start, you know, fairly normal, build it up, and then in the uh, in the, the pit. Mm. Then to tag it all, to crown it all with, with the tank. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. I, I, I can um, hear my, my, my nanny almost falling off their chair with laughter, yeah. particularly that episode when the tank is crushing the third and final vehicle oh. owned by Lewis Atterbury. Yeah, just wonderful. And that's, that's a really good episode to have been a part of, though. I mean, it may have only been a few appearances, but Ronnie Mildred, like I said, struck a chord with, for fans, I think. I think it was just oh. the name Ronnie and Mildred goes so well. Yeah. In, in your opinion, and then this this would just be an opinion for you, Gordon. There's no right or wrong answer. But how do you think the Meldrews met Ronnie and Mildred? What do you think the backstory is? <laughs> oh dear, I I think possibly that um, Margaret felt sad for him, felt sorry for him. You know, I I, I think she the 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 motherhood in her came. Mm. Uh, took over. Uh, I can't imagine them, um, I was going to say being in bed together. Well, obviously, we saw them together, but having a go, yeah. you know, what, what, I don't believe it. <laughs> I remember uh, one, one read through, uh, we were, we, you know, yes, you know, probably we gather, gather around the big table, everybody's there, the lighting, the yeah. makeup, everybody's there. And the cast read through. And then it came to bed, and I could see that he was going to say, I don't believe, and I, I involuntarily said, I don't believe it. <laughs> silence so long. How dare this man? We don't really? believe it. <laughs> say the honor, the holy line, you know, but I mean, I, I'm just so taken with it and so, so ready, ready for it. Hard to resist saying, isn't it? I'd imagine, yes. yeah. And so that was that was met with silence. But did did any did they just carry on, or did they? Oh, oh yes, just you know, looked saw one or two looks of disapproval, one or two chuckles, you know, a, a mixed reception, should we say? Oh, right. but... <laughs> what was your memories of working with David Renwick though on the set? What what was he almost like oh, a director? Was absolutely. You know, as to what he'd written, and he he would come and ever so quietly and say, you know. I, I, I've written it like that, 
you know, it would be nice to hear it like that. I said, oh, fine, fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, not not often with me because there wasn't much to many lines to do it. Yeah. But, you know, he, he would go and say if he thought that line should be said a certain way because he had it in his mind when he wrote. So, so, so that, that, yes, he, he was careful, careful with his uh, words. Uh, uh, yeah. and, and protective, and very protected of his words. But yes. I, I think um, Victor Richard gave a lot of input. You know, the Briskern um, and the director would listen to uh, what Richard had to say quite, quite a lot. Take advice from him. I mean, she was, you know, a young, young lady, uh, and he was an old man. Well, he wasn't that old, really. I suppose when you look back upon it. No, no. I mean, when I was watching *Off in the Grave* in the nineties. I suppose when I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, by the time it's finished, I'm about 14. I suppose Victor and Margaret seem old. But obviously now I'm half the age. I, I, I don't see them as that old at all. You know, when I look at even, you know, when I'm re-watching it, I think well, Victor died quite at a young, young age, really. He couldn't have been much older than 70 because he retired as Victor Meldrew in that very first episode. As we're introduced to him, he's he's forced out of, of the, the company on redundancy. He's probably just... Under six, I know Richard Wilson was about 54, 55, but his character is supposed to be about 60 because there's 10 series worth. It's debatable whether he, he's 70 or a bit younger because the nerd, the nerdiest of fans like, like me, we, we, we can tell what sort of time zone they're in, if you like, not time zone, but the yeah. certain storylines, they seem to only be about a year later, even though there's been a few series of the actual show. So yeah. he's probably under 70 and he and he's tragically been killed. Yeah. It goes to show really because he was at the height uh, you know of of his sort of stardom or whatever you like it. And then he did that thing on on the boats, something on the boats. Yes. What was that? Uh, which which didn't didn't go at all. Which well I I my my point is that, that it's got to be the writing. The, yeah. the, the writing is is so important yeah uh and and because there was richard as you say you know everybody thought oh well watch this you know it's richard and and it didn't it didn't take off i mean he he appeared in a couple of series 2001 onwards high stakes and life as we know it and of course i think it is really hard to follow one from the grave isn't it it Absolutely. No matter how much of a great actor you are, it's just with where this podcast is concerned. I didn't think I'd be speaking to the likes of Ronnie Victor. I had Mike Fenton Stevens on, who he had very much a cameo role in one of the episodes as Pippa's brother, Janine Davitsky. Oh. So it doesn't matter to me if someone has only been in a, a couple of seconds worth of a scene or the entire series. It's just great to have you on. Oh. Well, that's not, well it's, it's, nice, it's nice to be alive still, you know, and, and I'm, I'm knocking on a bit. And I, I, I can't see me doing anything else, really. Well, I think apart from, well, you do, you're doing one thing and that's kind of giving up your time to be on this podcast. So that's that's yes, no, it, it, It's nice to do it, you know, and sort of chat about old times. I mean, the last 15 years, uh, I've been doing my own show with a pianist. Well, well, he became my partner, really. Then. Yeah, that's, that's a showbiz partner, by the way. Yes, not, you not did mention so. you did mention your wife, who was who did make an appearance on oh, this call just now. <laughs> and it, it, should I say it after talking about one foot? It's been the best fifteen years 
of my sort of 70 years in the business. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the, uh, yes, uh, Flans and Swan did a, a two-hour show on that, and that went so well, so I, I did uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, all the Patter songs, yeah. and, and, and Noel Coward. Uh, so uh, it's been absolutely wonderful to travel the world with those um, shows. And, and there's been no, uh, no need, no responsible person except myself. If I wanted to do it, I did it. Yeah. I wanted to miss a song out, and or David was there. He was just superb, David, David Carter. And, and as they say, you know, what, what, what came into the box office was mine. Yeah. After, after you know, I, I mean, I paid for all the posters and everything and the booking and, and, and David, of course. So you ran the whole show then? Yes, yes. Ah, yes. So is, yeah. is that the project that's, like you said, kept you quite busy since One Foot in the Grey finished? Oh, yes. Well, as I say, the last 15 years. Yeah. That's practically about all I've been doing. Incredible. Uh, because it, 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 it was great, you know, the, the freedom of being able to do these things. Yeah. Uh, you say we, we, we went all over, all over, travelled travel the motorways. So uh, you, these days you're putting your feet up then? Well... Deserves break. Yes. No, no. I mean, I, I would love to be still at it, but... The legs aren't as strong as they used to be. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's fair enough, I think. You probably earned a rest at the very least, but you never know, Gordon. You never know. Well, I mean, I would love to, but uh, old father time, I think. There is a call. I, I told my agent, he said, I, I, a commercial or, you know, a television where there's a part, a part of a, an old man sits in the corner, you know, and he, he probably does nothing but fart. And, and that's all. That's all he does. And maybe ah, I can play yeah, that. Something like that. But yeah, yeah, just you know, just to be there. Yeah, yeah. Be... Your um, your daughter Katie, she's worked with David, hasn't she? Off a, on Jonathan Creek, wasn't it? I think he said she's done a bit of um. I think she's worked on a few. Yes, I think in a, yes, like a background role. Yes, she she's uh, on what is she production production assistant. Yes, yes. He, um, David passed his regards on because I spoke. I spoke to him to say that you were coming on to the show, and yeah, he, he sent his best wishes to you and, and to Katie. So I thought that was very nice. And um, yes, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. David's writing ability made sure that the infamous Ronnie and Mildred would be spoken about by fans of the show forevermore. And despite, <laughs> obviously, despite only appearing in a few episodes, what? Why do we think Ronnie and Mildred are such memorable characters? I don't know. Is that a question? It is a question. <laughs> I don't know. Probably because they, they didn't do much. <laughs> they were in and out. No, I, I mean, every sitcom has got to have its characters around. Yes. Around the main main one, you know. I, I, I'm surprised you, you talk of Ronnie and Mildred as you do, actually, because I, I never thought, you know. Oh, believe me. I mean, fa fa certainly fans who are... Yeah, I mean, I suppose you've got, I feel like you've got two types of fans of any show, your casual fans and maybe your sort of hardcore cult fans who do read into every moment. And there's people out there who do it with all sorts of films, TV yeah. shows. Uh, and that's, again, that's why this podcast exists. So we'd never let the likes of Ronnie Mildred go uh, and spoken mm -hmm. of, you know, they, they're always going to be mentioned. 
I think yeah. I just think it comes down not like you said the writing, but the way Victor and Margaret respond to Ronnie Mildred is just comedy in itself. They're willing to yeah. hide hide from them when Ronnie Mildred haven't even appeared in an episode. They, they'll be mentioned in the in the sense that maybe they've they've given them a, a an unwanted Christmas present or a, a cheesy gift, maybe with a picture of Ronnie Mildred on a T-shirt. It could be a scented candle. An episode I've just spoken about recently is in series six is where victor and margaret are stuck at home in the dark as a power cut and uh, obviously it's one of the hottest evenings of the year and victor finds an old scented candle that roddy mildred had given uh, as a present and really i can't remember that and it was it was a vanilla peach and camphor it which was that was the the, the flavor or the smell and camphor is supposed to be <laughs> a, a volatile crystalline substance so it's just like anything that ronnie mildred do or say or anything they give yeah. causes them some sort of pain because this particular candle went when lit very smoky made margaret feel quite unwell so it's just that ongoing gag isn't it that yeah. these two innocent people who just want to be friendly mm. do the opposite and it's, it's much like mrs warboy's uh, dory mantle how how she can she, cause she Oh, what a lovely lady! Did you know her really? quite? Did you know her quite well? We we quite friendly. Oh, only through the show and, and during the show. Yeah. But oh, she 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 really was delightful, delightful, charming, warm, affectionate. I can't say enough about her. She's she's lovely. Because Annette was was very much to herself. You know, um, very sort of pro, very proy. I think. Yeah. In other words, get the job done and get it done well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent actress. Oh. Uh, but uh, Doreen was uh, had, sweet lady, you know, isn't she? But she had more, more time. We had more time to talk. Yeah. Annette, Annette and uh, uh, Richard, you know, were always, always on set. So never really time, you know, to talk. I had a lovely chat with Doreen, Doreen on this podcast, actually. So yeah. um, if you, Interesting listening to it. It's, it's it's quite nice, I think. So especially Doreen's uh, memories of the show. What what are your personal favourite moments of One Foot? I mean, let's take your appearances as Red. Like the the yeah. to you that they mean a lot, of course. But you is there any well, other moment? As we, we've already mentioned, there's so many laughs. Oh, I can talk about it. This is the the tank at the end. Yeah. That was so funny. I don't know. There's there's so much and so many really died. Do you remember the ending of One Foot in the Grave? Obviously, Victor dying. With the ending of One Foot in the Grave, do you do you, do you remember the bit where Margaret confronts Hannah Gordon, who plays Glynis, to mm. you know because she's admitted that she's killed Victor? Do you remember that scene? And then not Ma- really, not really. Uh, I I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> Did you not? I, uh, I, I think I, I did what I think I must have watched it. Yeah, but uh, I I didn't want to remember it. I, I think that's uh, a, I, there's, a, there's a few people that tend to do that with their favorite shows. They might resist watching the final ever episode because it can be quite sad to say goodbye. So I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. I'd just like to thank you, Gordon, for your time. Um, it's been amazing to speak to the man himself, Ronnie. A.K.A. Gordon, um, I thought you said Gordon Wilkinson on your. On your <laughs> that, that threw me. Oh, that that's the funniest bit of the whole lot. <laughs>
Gordon, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I hope you hope you listen back to this. And, um, you know, maybe you might be become my latest listener of One Foot in the Podcast because there's quite a lot quite a lot of episodes out there to listen to if, if you uh, find some time to anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Take good care. Thank and, you. And keep in touch. Yes, yes, it'd be nice to, very nice indeed. Thanks, Gordon. Take good care. Right. Thank you. God bless. This Polish sherry is rather delicious. One foot in the grave. One foot in the grave.